Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. My dad used to say that, you know, you could do anything you wanted. That has always stuck with me in a very powerful way. And and I really believe that inside. And they definitely encouraged me to be all I could be for myself and for others. This is Property Investory, where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shump and in this episode, we're chatting to Michelle Lewis, a successful property investor and property investment coach. You'll hear how she went from a career of nursing to full-time property investing and discover how she turned a neglected and run-down property with 22 cats inside into a profitable source of income for her first renovation, plus much, much more. On any given day, Lewis does everything from researching properties to liaising with the property investors. I'm looking at properties um, on the internet. Um, I'm doing feasibility studies. I'm liaising with my property buddies um, around town and and looking at and basically looking for the next deal. Um, so that takes up yeah most of my property time. A lot of effort goes into her own portfolio as well as bring people together for joint ventures. I have been asked many times to do that, but I have I am trying to focus on our own portfolio at, at the moment. However, having said that, a huge part of what I am doing lately is bringing people together um, for joint ventures, including our own. Um, so, a huge part of what I do is also networking, um, especially with one of the groups I run here in Adelaide. Um, so, bringing people together, um, someone might have money, someone might have um, skills um, and time. Um, and so, that's a huge part of what I do as well. So, it's a bit of a mix. She also gets involved herself in these joint ventures. We will be involved in these deals. Um, I have spent a lot of time, I guess, educating myself over the years and now I feel I've reached a point in my knowledge and skill base and confidence that I can go out and source deals um, and find parties to put them together and essentially to for people to make a profit, to make an income, um, a chunk of money or if it suits them to um, set up a situation where they've got a, perhaps a, po- a positive cash flow property where they can have ongoing income over time and, and hold that property for the capital gain in the long term. So, um, yeah, definitely getting in on the action myself as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all fun and games. We all need to be involved. Uh, I think that it helps yeah. us. And uh, I think the good thing about being involved as well, it, you'll see different things that come up because if it's not just yours, I guess you're also helping others as well and that's you know I'm assuming that's going to be a way that you're sort of helping the community as you said people have asked you many times and that's probably one of the great ways to give back as well. 
Oh, absolutely. You know, a huge part of property is actually a, a people game. It's not a property game. It's um, liaising with other people, talking to people and, and you know, working with others to find property deals. You have to talk to real estate agents, accountants. You know, there's a huge um, group of people that make up a team. So, it really is a, a people's business. And, and so, having that connection with others and building long-lasting, um, valuable connections is really important um, for people you know, as a way to move forward and to grow their, their skills and knowledge and to be able to build a, por- a portfolio if that's what they're wanting to do. Growing up in Adelaide, Lewis went to a school dominated by boys. I grew up in Adelaide with my mum and dad and my sister and brother um, uh, in the western suburbs of Adelaide. I guess an interesting fact about my schooling, um, in year 11 and 12, I went to St. Michael's College, which is down at Henley Beach. And at the time, there was a very small amount of girls in the school. So there was 40 girls in year 11 and 12, and there was a total of 600 boys in the school. So that was a re- <laughs> it was a really interesting um, interesting environment to be in. And I guess it, it, it really, you know, um, you can't shy away from that environment. So I definitely helped to build some um, skills for life, being surrounded by so many young lads and just, you know, being able to fit into that environment. Yeah, I was going to say you had the pick of the crop. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> well, you might want to say that, Tyrone, exactly. Quality, uh, not quantity, yeah. Tyrone. <laughs> <laughs> very true, very true. Yeah. Uh, jokes aside, I, I guess um, yeah. it would have been quite interesting then having so many boys in the school because a lot of adrenaline and so forth. Does that mean yes. that there was a lot of activities then for you know kids growing up at that school to you know be involved in and did you get involved in those type of activities as well? Yeah, absolutely. So when I played tennis in year 11, for example, I was the only girl on the team and um, I do recall one uh, morning when I played against an all-boys team from another school and I'm quite sure um, that (laughs) the boy that I beat was actually – crying after that (laughs) so that wasn't my intention at all but it was it was a very interesting scenario to be in where you were on you know essentially in a boys school as a female so it was quite quite unique Lewis actually started off her career in a couple of fields entirely different to property investment my first job was at Target. Um, I think I earned about $7.53 an hour um, and I was doing after school um, work, so from four to six odd work for two hours. And I actually had quite a long lasting um, career with Target working sort of permanent part time in the school holidays and even working as a spruker telling everyone to come on down and get their specials, <laughs> which was really interesting. So um, I loved I loved that part of my life and, and the people I met in between studying and obviously getting some cash um, along the way. The other really interesting job that I had was um, working at a homeless shelter for women. So I used to sleep over on a Sunday night with the women um, and that, you know, opened my eyes and ears to many um, very interesting and saddening stories really, but also it was a place of hope for young girls. So that was um, a really, really wonderful part of my working life as well. And say after school then, did you go out to complete and, and do maybe go to university or did you actually go into the workforce after that? Yeah, no, I did. After I finished school, I did a Bachelor of Applied Science in Nursing. So I went on to um, begin a long-lasting nursing career, which I loved. Um, 
and which took me all around Australia and was a fantastic career also to have with a family. Um, so that's my background from um, a working perspective, yeah. At the time, um, I guess, you know, it, it fit in with my personality of, of helping other people. Um, I also loved the idea that nursing was very diverse, so you can work from, from anywhere on the wards um, to um, in theatres or in education, which is um, part of the journey that I took um, along the way, teaching others nursing. So it, it just there was just so many options. I thought I've got to be able to find something in there that can work for me. Some of the knowledge she acquired throughout her other careers carried her well into property investment. For example, when we have purchased properties and then been able to provide rental accommodation, um, you know, one that comes to mind is a single mum and her two children. So for me, having her in that property and providing a home for her is a, you know, a double bonus to having, you know, an asset um, for our, ourselves as a family, but also being able to give back and provide a safe home for a mum and two children is, you know, I think that flows on from that that ethics for me, that personal um, story behind the scenes. Lewis was initially inspired by her parents to go into property investment. I guess the thing I do remember is that mum and dad told me they paid $13,500 for their house when they bought it. And I remember thinking, wow, that's not much. And wow, look what it's worth now. So that's probably the one thing that sticks in my mind is that if you buy a house, it tends to be an appreciating um, asset, unlike buying a, a car, which depreciates over time. So that really did stick in my mind. My dad was also a handyman. So, you know, I remember him paint, painting um, rooms in our houses and definitely, you know, being a bit hands-on um, from that perspective. So I definitely grew up with a little bit of that in, in my pocket. Um, but I guess the entrepreneurial side, um, you know, perhaps my grandfather ran his own business. So perhaps that came from there. But I seem to just have that sort of entrepreneurial spirit within and enjoyed a challenge. And, you know, my parents definitely encouraged me to, um, my dad used to say that, you know, you could do anything you wanted, Michelle. And that has always stuck with me in a very powerful way. And, and I really believe that inside. And, you know, so they definitely encouraged me to be all I could be for myself and for others. Her mother also did some property investment of her own. Well, it's interesting because my mum in her 60s did her first property development. Um, my father passed away some years ago and mum was at a point where she was looking to set herself up for her retirement and so she came and asked what we thought um, and, and to cut a long story short, she knocked down the family home, subdivided the property and built her retirement home on one side and um, sold um, the block on the other side. So that's her one and only development that she did. And, you know, I was really happy to be able to um, support her, although really she did most of it herself. Um, so um, not they weren't definitely weren't property investors per se. But, um, yeah, she has, you know, even at age 60, it's never too late. Coming up after the break, we'll delve into how Lewis started out in property. We purchased that in 19, oh, sorry, 2003. Um, that was our very first property and we bought that at auction and we paid $149,600 for that. It was a one-bedroom masonette. Where she went from there and what she did to succeed? We pretty much did um, the renovating of this property ourselves. I guess at the time we probably didn't have that much money and we were keen to get in and we didn't have children to sort of divert our attention. And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shump and you're listening to Property Investory. 
So, how did Lewis's property journey start? My now husband and I were um, engaged at the time and, and looking for our, our first place to buy. Um, we came across a, a masonette, we call it in Adelaide, which is a half a house with a shared wall um, that was going up for auction. Um, and we went around and saw this property and um, it was pretty awful. <laughs> it had had 22 cats in the property and there's cat hair everywhere. It was very neglected and run down and it really gave you an icky feeling. But I was like, great, if there's a lot of people that don't like it, um, fantastic. This could be an opportunity for us to purchase at a great price and then to renovate the property. So I guess it was a bit of a natural instinct um, in me to look for something that we could add value to. And I didn't really know what any of that meant at the time, but it just I guess it made sense instinctively. And that, that's what I actually love. The worse, the better. I just I just love, I, could, I guess what you see when you see a property like that is you see the bones and really the cat hair and, um, you know, the peeled paint and the yucky floors, that's just all um, something that can be renovated cosmetically and it's, it's not for the faint-hearted and, you know, it does take, you know, some work and, and some thinking but um, it's definitely doable. Um, so I guess in, in seeing this property, I could see that it was a beautiful old bungalow that, you know, a paint and a polish of the floorboards and a removing of the massive cat pen and cleaning out of all the fur, which I must admit at the time, my mum, I remember her coming around and helping helping us, you know, um, to clean out all the, the stuff. It was a, it was a real a group effort. But being able to see those basic bones and also the value of the street and the area um, was part of this property purchase as well. This was her first property. We purchased that in 19, oh, sorry, 2003. Um, that was our very first property and we bought that at auction and we paid $149,600 for that. It was a one-bedroom masonette, um, but what we did to it over time, because when I got pregnant, we had our first child, we actually did a, our first development, which was an extension onto that property of a, a large rompus room or family room with a bedroom and a new laundry. Wow. So, you said that was a one-bedroom house. Um, that was, oh, that's very interesting. I don't hear very many of them uh, much at all. It was basically, I guess, what would be a three or four bedroom bungalow, but it was it's set up and built um, with a shared wall, so it had the two sides. So I guess it was ideal for a one person or a, or a couple, but um, beautiful large rooms, Tyrone, so um, massive living spaces within that small property. And there's obviously opportunity to just turn those large areas into separate rooms, which, um, yeah, added more value to it. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, the rooms uh, were definitely large. And as I say, we did build, build on an extra room out the back and we built on a beautiful modern extension. Um, and basically, since we moved out of that property because we outgrew it, it's been rented um, ever since and has been a source of income for our family. She renovated this first property mostly herself with the help of her family. We pretty much did um, the renovating of this property ourselves. I guess at the time we probably didn't have that much money and we were keen to get in and we didn't have children to sort of divert our attention. So we definitely got in. I remember we polished the floorboards ourselves um, with one of those heavy machines. Um, and we also lay the lacquer on the floor as well. I think maybe we might have got my brother in to help with some painting and paid him some money for that. And mum definitely helped out with the cleaning to get started. There were a few jobs we had to pay people for, such as taking um, down a tree that was too large for us to manage. Um, but apart from that, um, 
yeah, we definitely did a lot of um, blood, sweat and tears into that um, property. But what I what I learned from that experience was that, um, wow, you know, we've purchased this property for a certain amount. We've been able to spend our time and a small amount of money and we've uplifted the value of that property um, to become now an asset for us. And I don't have the exact numbers on the money we spent on it, but I would say that it would be probably about 10 grand at the time, maybe not even that much. Um, the time we did, I think we were trying to chuff it along pretty quickly because we wanted somewhere to live and we were getting married soon. So we sort of, um, you know, that would have been done over perhaps maybe six to eight weeks, I guess. Um, when we sort of have a project on our hands, we like to get in and, and get it done and move along as fast as we can. We're sort of not of afraid of um, a bit of hard work and I think you know for anyone out there that is willing to put in some time and effort there's definitely rewards at the end of that once you know what you're looking for it's it's achievable for anyone. Since then Lewis has completed many property transactions all over Australia and created a portfolio of her own. That we've completed eight full house renovations, I guess, inside and out with gardens and whatnot. Um, so it would be in that vicinity. Um, it's probably eight or nine properties that we've purchased um, altogether. Um, we've, I guess, we've made we've purposely made a decision to downsize our portfolio at this point um, in order for us to have um, cash on hand to purchase uh, moving forward. Um, and the reason for that is. Um, going forward with joint ventures, we can be the cash partner in um, property transactions. And for those that don't know, when you come to um, bid on a property or um, put in an offer, um, a cash transaction is really um, attractive to a, a person trying to sell a property. So that's sort of the position we're in now. And have all the properties that you've purchased all been in Adelaide or have you spread them across different states across Australia? One of the, I think, the things I would encourage other people to consider is to always spread your eggs. And so we've purchased in four different states in Australia. Um, we have moved around quite a bit. We went on a bit of a adventure, my husband and I and the children over the years. So we purchased in uh, Western Australia, um, in Queensland, in New South Wales and South Australia. And I guess the moral to that story is that you can buy properties without physically viewing them yourself. Once you know the numbers game, um, there's different ways that you can absolutely purchase property um, interstate. However, Lewis's property journey has not been without its fair share of mistakes. When I was busy being a young mum, we had a bit of a lull in our property journey and so our properties sort of just sat there. And looking back now, I realised um, particularly for one property that we have in a mining town, there was an opportunity to sell that property at the peak of um, the boom. Um, we didn't sell that property at the peak of the boom and, and it has been a good property for us. But if I had the knowledge that I had now, um, back then I would have made a decision um, differently. So that's a fantastic um, learning curve. You know, nothing's ever something I regret. It's always a learning um, curve and I definitely look back now and think, yes, ideally we would have sold that property at the peak of the market and made a good profit on that. Um, so I guess, yeah, that was over time you sort of look back and think, oh, man, if, if only. But um, that, that happens, you move forward and you learn from your experiences. Can we just elaborate on that a little bit more? Um, what was the reason why you purchased that particular property? What, what was the initial attraction towards it? 
So that property, we were actually living in Port Hedland. Um, at the time, my husband was in mining and I was nursing. Um, and initially, we went into some accommodation with his work. Um, as we realised we were staying in town, we thought, um, fantastic opportunity to purchase property. And we did purchase at um, pre-boom, which was fantastic. But then we did some tricky stuff within our portfolio and we sold um, that property into a trust at a higher level than we purchased. Um, which I guess at the time I wasn't so involved in what we were doing and I guess it was, um, yeah, you know, a mistake or an uneducated situation. I'm not sure how to explain it, but it's something I probably wouldn't do again. Um, so then we, we had a, a larger amount against that property, um, which would have been fine if we'd sold in the boom, Tyrone, but um, that didn't happen. So I guess we were purchasing the property to live in, Um and, you know, it was a great family home for us and it still brings us rental income now, um, but it's worth a lot less than it, it was at the boom, at the peak of the boom in the market. Then came the moment she realised she was really onto something when it came to property investment, proving sometimes it's better to come in and get out quickly when it comes to property. In January this year, we settled on a property which was um, probably our most successful um, property um, transaction. Um, it was um, a property again that we bought when we were living in New South Wales. Um, we bought it in 2012 and it was an 1189 square metre block with a very rundown home on it. Uh, we purchased that for $145,000 at auction. Um, yeah, it's really exciting. So we settled and sold that property uh, in January this year for $387,000. Um, when we purchased it at the time, it was um, the idea was we would develop the property ourselves, but we moved away from the area. Life got busy with children. Um, it was always a cash flow um, positive property that brought us income. So it was a bit of a land banking strategy. And then with the rise um, in property prices in the Hunter region and New South Wales and Newcastle, we thought, unlike the Port Hedland property, now's the time to swoop and cash in on that property and sell it. So we sold that to someone that is planning to develop that site, perhaps with three or four units. So um, that was a really wonderful experience because I guess behind the scenes, property can be a lonely journey. We're all walk working on our own own strategies um, and sometimes with others. And it was just it was just great to see that all the hard work and effort over the years had come to a point where now we could have have that situation where we have um, a chunk of cash. And I guess now the real work begins in, in how we invest that moving forward, um, to, you know, to bring income to the family. We did the numbers on the property, um, on, the, on the deal, and for us it was better that we just sold it on to someone else um, that could make use of it for whatever reason they decided. Um, and so that's what we did. We did a, I did a um, remote uh, pre-sale renovation on that, working really closely with a fantastic real estate area, uh, agent in the area in New South Wales who helped me facilitate that. Um, and then he assisted us to um, sell the property um, yeah, up there while we're still down here in Adelaide. So that was fantastic. She then tells us about the value of educating yourself when it comes to property investment and gives us some final advice. 
For me, it's really about um, education. So the mistake I made with not selling the Port Hedland property at the right time or the lesson learned from that situation was because I didn't have the appropriate mentoring or education in place. I now have that in place. So um, whatever I'm doing, I can work through with my mentor um, moving forward um, and make the best decision um, and really making educated decisions. So for me, the aha moment is definitely about investing the time into your own um, knowledge and skills. And I think a big part of that also is your own self-belief. So I remember when I went and saw this property for the first time, it had a massive termite nest in it and 60% of the floors needed replacing like it was fantastic. It was right up my alley, Tyrone. It was awful. <laughs> but I could see I could see that, you know, we could spend, I think we did a $20,000 renovation. That was the whole of the inside and outside of the home. And that provided, um, you know, a home that we rented out to someone for six years. And um, I think I think just using, using some of that gut instinct, if you've got it, um, which is, you know, I went on, it just made sense to me that we could buy this property. It was on a massive block. We could rent out the property, the mortgage would be covered, we'd get some income and we've got so many options going forward. So just self-belief, believe in yourselves, you know, if you've got some skills, believe in yourself and and, and go with your gut. And um, definitely the aha moment was, yes, we did make the right decision buying that house. Yes, some people would have thought we were crazy, but it worked out great. So, inspired by this story, we'll continue the conversation with Michelle Lewis in a future episode of Property Investory, where we'll learn about her strategies for investment. No, it was definitely, I guess our bread and butter investing project was to buy a dump, renovate it and add value um, and then either to hold on to that property as ideally a positive cash flow investment or to sell that property. The reason behind why she started this journey Well, I guess my why is, um, for me, it's been about um, having choices in life. So for me, um, spending time with my husband and my children is really important. As well as the daily habits that help keep her on track. So get your list out, get your priorities out and tackle that hard stuff first and then you can do the other stuff later. All this and much more on a future episode of Property Investory. To jumpstart your week, here's Mindset Monday where our real success in property isn't knowledge and skill, it's 70% psychology and mindset. Here's this week's mindset tip from wealth coach Jill McIntyre. So recently, Jill, you've talked about how to write your goals and intentions. What do you do with them once you've written and talked about the strategies and follow through? That's a good question, Tyrone because so often when a new client comes to me, they, they will send their intentions through to me and I've seen ones um, that are the greatest to-do list that uh, was ever written. Your goals or your intentions are not your to-do list and what I do with my intentions are then, yes, I've written them for the next month or your goals might be short, medium or long term, but from those intentions or my those goals, I then sit down and I work on the strategies that I need to implement that are going to help and support the positive outcome or better that I've written in that goal or intention. So say, for example, my goal might be that uh, I'm doing a one in a joint venture, one into two 
simple cosmetic um, renovation on the house, and I'm going to do a one-into-two subdivision. My strategy would be, and following on from that strategy is, very much on building money partners, building trade relationships, building relationships with agents to find out what I needed to fix fittings to fit into the marketplace that's going to be there. So it's certainly then from that strategy and those strategies of my main headers, I then follow on and I don't call it my to-do list, I call it my must-do list. If things are on a to-do list, are they important to you? How often do you leave those things that are on your to-do list and don't do them or you put them off? So I change your header to the must-do list. And if they're the must-do list, there should be a timeline that you've got against it. So if you're writing that you need to make contact with an agent, you need to follow through with that agent, you need to see uh, what his context, what his um, uh, connections are, how he would go about marketing your property if you were selling it, say, for example. You need to follow through on all of that with a time frame. When you're going to ring in, what's the outcome, what your next step is. And every week, I would suggest that, say, on a Monday night or early on at uh, 6 o'clock when you get up early at 5.30 or something on a, a Monday morning, write your weekly planner in so that you know day by day by day what you have to achieve to move forward in property. And that is your must-do each day that will then certainly at the end of the week, you'll have a lot more that you will have achieved than if you hadn't written anything down. So moving forward, your strategies are so important that follow on from your goals and intentions. Then your must-do follows on from your strategies. And then just watch the action happening when you follow through and enjoy it.